a shave. We could have had the intro sewn up right there. Oh, come on. About... Give, give it five minutes. You know what we're like. Literally, we, literally Joel, Joel, Joel's T-shirt just has a distance on it. And we're like, what's that for? I thought you've... <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And just like when you smell a fart in a packed elevator... We're going to be asking, who done it? As we enter our murder mystery month. Ooh. So this week we're putting the 2019 mystery knives out on trial. Is it who done it or is it why do it? You got three more. Yeah, three more chances to do a lot better than that. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I, I was short on time, okay. Maybe once every now and again, if one of you pricks would write it for me, it might be better. Anyway. Okay, like... hang on. Knives yeah. out, it's in the hot seat. Uh, a cut above the rest or a stab in the dark? How about that? Jesus Christ, that was very good. <laughs> just just, just off the top of my head. Bullshit, you've already fucking written the synopsis for this. <laughs> now, essentially, we're going to find out if this will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Akira, which Ozzy judged and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, I have no idea if he's gone away and watched it. Probably not. He's not here. He's not going to arrive anytime soon. Did he make the right call or not? Let's just discuss it as a group. Did he make the right call? Yeah, there's, Absolutely. There's no, yeah, no question. No, Nobody want to play the contrarian here? Gav, it's up to you. No, he didn't. No, <laughs> no yeah, yeah, he did. He, he made the right call. I, I, I think it's hard to argue. I, I think some of the points that I was making last week were valid, but not massively so. I think it is a, a classic, and rightly so. And I think if he would have put it on the shit list, it would have been a travesty. But it's not one he specializes in. There, yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he does do curveballs. It's not like it's Akira is not a film you'd watch like every. It's not like oh yeah, I'll just crack Akira on and sit back and relax. Though is it? I mean, it's not. An, I wouldn't say it's one of the easier watches, but it is. It is oh, a classic. It's not like Pet Cemetery. You can, oh, God. <laughs> you can put that on like, every, every episode. Other, every other week. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now on to our trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, so acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me. And I'm just like Christopher Guest's character, Harlan Thromby. I take lots of medication to keep me functioning normally, and I surround myself with a bunch of entitled shitbags. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Basically, yeah, <laughs> I'm the hero of the piece here. You, you, you guys are the thrombies. <laughs> Now, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Joel and Alex. Joel is just like Jaden Martell's Jacob Thromby. He's quiet, he spends most of his time slagging people off on the internet and masturbating. <laughs> that makes me sound like a troll who just watches porn, all day. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and Alex is just like Tony Collette's Joni Thromby. He pretends that the education of children is paramount, but he's really just in it for the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, got, I think I think Joel, you're the winner for the worst insult so far. We'll see. We'll see how Dave does. But I mean, Gab basically complimented himself and insulted us twice. Yeah. Joel, Joel, you go I'm online, troll, and masturbate. Let's see how Dave does. Prove me wrong. Right now, <laughs> just like court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may or may not be their genuine opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts. And this week, Dave will be playing the judge, the most important character, as he decides which list this film should be placed on the hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. And Dave is just like Chris Evans's Ransom Drysdale. A sweater-wearing dork on the outside, a cruel dickhead on the inside, and also, <laughs> and also on the outside. <laughs> it feels like you just made that a little bit crueler just to satisfy us. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the point of the prosecution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I got off lightly this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dave. 
Um, <laughs> nobody else, though. Uh, now, before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the rebooted wheel of impressions. And that coyote. <laughs> what's rebooted about it, Gav? I, I put a couple more pictures on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, so uh, I was going to say I've changed the Freddo, but no, it's still in date, so we're going to keep on going with that one. So, yeah, the arrow has landed on Joel. Uh, no, it's, it's essentially in between Joel and Ozzy, but Ozzy's not here, so Joel, it's you. I'm sorry. What we do here is essentially we ask somebody to read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. Joel, how would we like Joel to read out the synopsis? Mm. Uh, tricky one, to be honest. It's um, I think it's got I mean, Daniel Craig's. I was going to say yeah. Daniel Craig got role. some got some criticism for that accent, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, yeah. like it, it was such a terrible accent. He was bound to save the child, boys. Save it for the child. <laughs> like I can't even remember what it's like to be honest. A southern cut, southern drawl, you know, like yeah, like a like, like a, a fog like hole. A, that sounds hole. a bit like a Elvis there, Gav. Every time I try to do like southern America, I just end up sounding like an English gentleman for some reason. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Englishman trying to do a. American, but sounding like an Englishman. It's essentially what Knives <laughs> Out is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. Very nice. Hey, well, well done, John. Nice. Well done. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, without further hesitation, Dave, would you like to please kickstart the proceedings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Um, okay, full disclosure, I have seen Knives Out. It's been a while, obviously, since we knew we were doing it on the podcast. I, I haven't watched it since. Uh, watched it once a while ago. Don't remember that much about it, truth be told. Uh, remember bits and pieces, but it's still all to play for. You just got to jog my memory on a few points, good or bad. And seeing as you're on your own, Gav, I'm going to turn over to the defense first. Tell me why I should like Knives Out. Can I just say, firstly, the guy with the elephant memory here with regards to just general things, but yeah. specifically film-related things. Is yeah. Yeah. I, I believe him. I'm trying to build a sense of mystique that this isn't a foregone conclusion. Right now, you're letting everyone peek behind the curtain. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you a bit more context as to what this film is about. So at the 85th birthday celebration of wealthy crime novelist Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Guest, he is found dead from a presumed suicide. Is, I'm is sorry, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say I'm the judge and I haven't seen this for a while, but it's... Are you sure it's Christopher Guest? Uh, no, it's not Christopher Guest. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I mean, Christopher, Christopher Guest is a decent actor, but 85? I don't yeah. know. I don't... <laughs> to be fair, uh, what I was thinking of is he was a guest at the birthday party. So. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Sure Christopher you were. was take, a guest. Take it from dead. <laughs> dead from a presumed suicide. Now, famed detective Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, is subsequently hired to investigate the suicide and soon discovers that not all is as it seems. Now, all of Harlan's family have secrets and motives, including Harlan's son-in-law, Richard, who is having an affair, Harlan's widowed daughter-in-law, who has been stealing $400,000 a year from Harlan to supposedly pay for her child's tuition, Harlan's son, Walter, who is fired on the night of the party by Harlan as his publisher, and Ransom, Harlan's grandson, and Richard and Linda's son, who we find out has been cut out of Harlan's will entirely. And on the, that subject, after Harlan's death, all of the family find out that the entirety of Harlan's estate, his publishing firm, assets, and $60 million worth of wealth will all be left to Harlan's South American nurse, Marta. But we quickly learn that Marta may have been responsible for Harlan's death as she accidentally gave him the wrong dose of his medication. And to save her from prison, and also to save her mother from being deported, Harlan makes it look like he killed himself by slitting his own throat. And to make matters worse, Marta has a peculiar condition that makes her uncontrollably vomit whenever she tells a lie. But, once again, not all is as it seems, as we slowly unravel mystery to uncover the truth behind Harlan's death. 
Now, in my opinion, these types of whodunit, Cluedo-style movies have taken a bit of a backseat over the past few decades. But Rian Johnson has completely rejuvenated and revitalized the genre here with this story, which is part classic murder mystery, part swipe at entitled wealthy modern-day Americans, which not only offers an intriguing plot full of twists and turns, but also a crowd-pleasing statement about politics and the hopeful shift of power and wealth in the country from those who feel entitled to it and those who deserve it. So, altogether, this is a brilliant movie, and I am willing to fight anybody who disagrees. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds fairly convincing, apart from the Rian Johnson bit, and he's not a not a hero of this podcast by any stretch. <laughs> <laughs> he should be. But, uh, he's, um, but that sounds pretty promising to start with. Uh, Alex, tell me why Gav might be lying through his teeth on this one. He's just a lying sack of shit in general, isn't he? And I don't want to. Joel, what? I don't want to get personal, all right? But you know that. Too late. So, <laughs> so he is. Uh, look, the, the 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 element that Knives Out fails on is the who done it. You know, Gav's talking about the the different elements, the sort of you know looking at the society, the politics, and there are a few elements where Knives Out falls down. But I'd say it's the who done it. It gets a little bit lost and you aren't, you know, I'm not saying you're not enjoying some of the commentary and the idea of wealth being moved on is, is very interesting. But really, I, I think the core element of the whodunit is set up well, but gets lost. I'd say in the, la in the back quarter of the film, when you're really tying the bits together, it all starts getting a little bit daft and a little bit silly and a little bit coincidental. And I, I just didn't really believe in it. And I didn't really feel, you know, it's an interesting idea. You know who the murderer is halfway through and then you sort of figure out, oh, no, things aren't quite as they seem. But it all gets so sort of complicated and, oh, and this happened and this happened and this happened that I'm afraid, actually, it didn't feel very impactful for me. So, so the final reveal, you know, spoiler, I know we've said it before, but big spoilers here, that, like, it's Chris Evans's character that's, you know, the real uh, shit of the piece. Is, <laughs> is like scientifically. <laughs> thank you, yeah. Uh, is... I don't know, it, it's well done. No, not really. It, it, it kind of goes for a comedic element. And yeah, it just it just doesn't quite go for that impactful stuff. So I didn't feel like, oh, you know, I found out who did it. Like when you're watching a Poirot, uh, you know, Death on the Nile or Murder on the Orient Express, when it's that shock you have of the reveal. Because the film sort of goes for like a bit more of a comedic element and you've got all these different elements running around about, you know, the sort of political commentary that, yeah, I just felt a bit the the actual who done it was lacking, and and that's my main criticism with the film. It's like, sure, go for all this other stuff, please do, but you've got to keep that who done it is your core part of the film, and I don't feel like they really uh, brought that home. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Joel, I'm uh, going to come to you now. Um, Alex mentioned a comedic turn, which if anyone remembers, I, I do want to hear a bit more about the comedic element. But essentially, Gav tells me that this uh, gives you a bit of everything. It's not just the whodunit. It's also got a political stance, some twists and turns along the way. Alex says that the whodunit, which is obviously the, the, the keystone of this plot, um, has a good setup, but a pretty poor conclusion. It kind of loses you along the way. Uh, whose side are you coming down on here? Uh, yeah, I'm with Alex here. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was bored throughout this film. Not throughout the whole thing, but I just think they stretched it out like a little bit too long. There's kind of not enough, you know, intrigue, if you like. The thing is with whodunits, the reason why they stop being like so prominent, if you like, is they all kind of follow the same thing. You know, it's like, oh, this person did it. And then there's a twist and it's like, no, this person did it. And there's always some kind of, you know, bait and switch along the way or something like that to make you think it's one person when it's actually the other person. And you can't really change that formula up. It's, it's as simple as that. We talk about like action films when if you're going to do the same thing, you've got to do it well. But at least with the action films, you get to sit there and you kind of get to watch the spectacle type of thing. Whereas who done it, it's just going through the motions really till you find out the actual person who did do it. And some of the kind of plot devices, if you like, the whole kind of puking when she lies thing. I mean, that is just so lazy. Like it's so ridiculously lazy to have a person that pukes when she lies be like the main culprit. Like a five-year-old would, would think of something like that. It's just ridiculous. And then Daniel Craig's detective character, he just kind of 
reminded me a bit of Poirot. Why do we need this kind of super detective in these stories? Again, it's just kind of recycled stuff. There's nothing new here. And like, like I said, it's just kind of going through the motions till you find out who actually did do it. Maybe there's a few newer bits and pieces, you know, the whole kind of um, moving on of wealth after a very rich family, family's leader dies. But overall, there's nothing new here. And unless you're like a, a mega, mega fan of that genre, I, I wouldn't bother with it. And Joel, didn't you think that if you're going to kill Luke, you might as well fight Kylo Ren anyway? But... <laughs> That's exactly the point. And you oh, can't yeah. just make yeah. <laughs> Putting that down what next were those, to Ryan What were those crystal point? dogs about as well? What the fuck was that about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, Gavin, I see your hand raised. Uh, yeah, I've got many, many issues with what they've, all, what they've just said. Um, Are you going to really tell me that Episodes eight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I, actually, I actually thought episode eight was the best of the new. Series. You, you, oh, must come on. <laughs> you must concede those crystal dogs were just there to sell merch. Yeah. <laughs> what was going on with them. the blue milk? Let's. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. So, firstly, with regards to Alex, the who done it at the core of this, I don't think there's a problem with that i i well firstly i I disagree i think that there is that whodunit element throughout i think throughout the entire thing you might think it's one person then the book gets pulled underneath your feet and it's another person and even if you did suspect chris evans and even if you were very sure that it was chris evans's character which i don't think you you could be until the very end but even if you did think it was that just like any real good game of cluedo it doesn't matter you know it's all about the how they did it as well you know it, it's well i'm not it doesn't matter sorry it's just no, it's one just, aspect just, of it i didn't know that you like cluedo as much as you, as you do <laughs> i mean don't you remember all those hours you used to play in the hitbox and the bug oh yeah that's true <laughs> I, did, I did have fun doing that to be honest with you. point to gav <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, it's, it's about how they did it as well and also where they did it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you might think, oh, yeah, it's Chris Evans's character. But how did he do it? Because essentially, the big reveal in the middle is that it was Marta who got the doses of the medication wrong, and Harlan knew that he was going to die. And rather than her getting arrested for it, he decided to kill himself beforehand. So it was an open shut case as a suicide. So we know that Martha had some, uh, some form, she, she was involved in some way. And her, conscious of what Joel was saying, her puking, I think, is a really interesting aspect to it. It's very unusual, and it creates this sense of innocence. Unusual, because it's so fucking shite, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it creates a sense of innocence, (laughs) and it's also a a, a plot point in there, which means that whenever she is telling the truth, um, she's not puking, and whenever she's lying, she is. (laughs) So there's a big reveal at the end where they're trying to get Chris Evans to confess to the murder, and he has essentially assaulted somebody and they're in hospital and she gets a phone call from the hospital and we don't know whether she's alive or dead. And she turns around and says, oh, you know, yeah, they're not dead. Chris Evans then basically admits that he assaulted them. And then she throws up all over Chris Evans's face and she's like, oh, obviously I was lying. She's dead. And that the whole thing is that she hasn't been able to control that throughout the entire film, but she was so, so determined to like get Chris Evans to confess to this murder that she managed to prevent herself from throwing up. She overcame her uncontrollable vomiting. Um, and so, what a character arc, hey, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it is a great character arc because she is the only character who is good and honest and hardworking throughout the entire thing, and she gets rewarded for it. She has many opportunities where she can be, uh, she's offered the opportunity to be a prick or to be a bad person or do something wrong, and she decides at every turn not to do that and stay and be a fundamentally good person, and it, she's rewarded for it at the end. So, yeah, I think it is a good character arc, actually, Alex. So take that, wrap it up, and shove it up your ass. And finally, what you always saying about the... About the, uh, the, the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is a real, this was a real courtroom. I would love to see it. <laughs> Hello. We'd all be in jail at this point. Yeah, instead of saying order, the judge is like... Ah, uh, good one. <laughs> point good one to, to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and what Joe was saying about it being a bit too much like Poirot, well, exactly this is what it's trying to return to. 
in the, these types of murder mysteries were rife decades ago. Agatha Christie novels were absolutely huge. There was always trying to create a movie adaptation out of them. And people like Poirot were the, the main feature. People wanted to go and see a new Poirot film or a new Poirot series. And this is like a return to form. It's moved away from that a lot. And instead focusing on the aspect of the murder mystery without the detective to try and piece it all together, that character that you're rooting behind. And it is essentially um, the audience is working through the audience. And I think it's a good return to form. And you need a bit of a character. And he's decided to make this eccentric character in Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc. And I think it really Benoit works. Wank, did you just call him? Ben, Benoit's wank. <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 all in all, I think both of them are absolute shitbags and just ignore everything they're saying. <laughs> okay, I just want to raise one point with you, though, Gav. Joel says it's too long. This is, uh, you know, it may have a, a satisfying conclusion, so you say, but he says the journey is is too long. It's quite boring. Uh, what, what do you say to that? Joel... Joel's notorious. You don't have to di- address him directly. <laughs> Here we go. You don't have to insult the man directly. <laughs> he meant you. the point he said, not not attack Joel. <laughs> I, I think I think if the film doesn't have an explosion every fifteen minutes, it loses God. Joel. <laughs> yeah. I think this is fine. I, I think I think it's just over two hours. I think that's a perfectly acceptable length for. Just notice the word usage there. Day fine. You know, like when you say to yeah. your wife or your or your partner. And I'm like, you know, are you mad at me? She's like, no, it's fine. You, you know something's wrong there. Do you know what I mean? No, I find it's all about tone. If she says, no, it's fine. Or she says, it's fine. That's the difference. was the first one. Once. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm half believing you on that one. Being no, no, me too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. So I've got an idea about the general plot and how this fits into the, the genre of the detective mystery, the whodunit. I think I've got enough on that. Um, are we prepared to talk about cast? Because I've heard the name Daniel Craig being bandied around. I've heard Christopher Plummer. Uh, these are exciting names. Alex, I'm going to come to you first and see if you want to take a stab at, uh, at Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. The, late, <laughs> the late Christopher Plummer. <laughs> I wouldn't use exactly those words. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, this is going to be a hard sell for you, Dave, because I know you like your ensemble cast. I do. But uh, this just... Like like many ensemble casts, just just falls under the weight of its sheer star power. It, it's just too much, to be honest. It's you got Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, you got Anna de Armas, you got Jamie Lee Curtis, you got Michael Shannon. Stop. All right, that would be great. Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer. Uh, you know, Frank Oz turns up, and it. You just these, like Emma, these Emma, are Emma great Walsh. names. These, these are, are great names. These are saying. fantastic names, and I know, and I know you're, you know, I know you'll be very happy listening to them, but you, you don't. You're watching Jamie Lee Curtis because you know that that's it. Just gets to a certain point, a bit like in The Departed when I had a certain point when Alec Baldwin came in, and I was just like, oh fuck off, then. Do you know what I mean? It's just like everyone's in this film. Like, what's the what's the point? And and it just what's having the point. <laughs> yeah, no. What is well? What is the point in having all of these? huge names I, like a big name in a film is a great thing okay two or three fantastic but at a certain point you just start going like you're just watching jamie lee curtis and you're not really interested in the character anymore it's the same with chris evans same with michael shannon you, you, and tony collette you know you, you're just not really that engaged anymore because or you're not really interested in the characters because you know it's a you know it's a film and and that's what i think the problem is of just having too many it, it really is over sugaring the pudding it, it's just too much <laughs> it, it, it is too much and and that sounds mad to say too much of a good thing but it's true you know it's uh you know and, and you know do, do they do good performances yeah you know I, I don't think you'd say anyone particularly drops the ball in here everyone sort of does okay in what they're doing but it it, it it's just too much and like many whodunits i'm just left being like right well my disbelief is not suspended as much as it should be simply because of the star power. And I know that's a hard sell for you, Dave, but it's the God's honest truth. I will respect your decision, though. I will respect your opinion on that Thank one. Thank you. I have noted it down. Before I come to Joel and get his opinion on cast, Gav, I'm going to let you come in, in, in the middle of this here. Uh, what do you make of this this ensemble cast? Is it like too many great big names but they don't really get a, a chance to shine is is the much well is is there a point to them being there what is the purpose of casting these big names if not just to draw people in and let them down he 
he did not say, do you hate Alex? <laughs> <laughs> and I, can I, you insult him? He didn't. No, okay. No, Alex, I'm going to be understanding here and I'm going to understand where you're coming from because when I watched the original Murder on the Orient Express, you've got like Alba Finney, Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman. By the time Sean Connery popped up, I was just like, please <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> this is, as you have heard, a star-studded cast and I mean, I just don't understand that argument. These are like top quality A-list performers who are delivering believable and captivating performances. You've got Christopher Plummer as the head of the family. He's the only sort of member with compassion and empathy. And just like in every Christopher Plummer performance, he delivers such a genuine and warm performance that the audience immediately warms to him. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon as the spoiled, vindictive children. Don Johnson, Tony Collette as the children-in-law who were just entitled, just as entitled and even more deceitful. You've got Chris Evans in his first post-Avengers role, proving that he can play a smarmy and odious shit just as well as he can play Captain America. And what's great about this is that they all expertly play these self-righteous but morally bankrupt characters but have convinced themselves that being rich is their birthright. And it's so satisfying because, because they perform it so well. It's so satisfying to see them all massively fall from grace. Anna Dramas as Marta, who I admittedly hadn't seen much of before this film, but in this film alone, she catapulted herself up to the Hollywood A-list with such an honest and engaging performance. Because she's the only character, as I said before, who is pure in this film. You know, she's hardworking and honest, She's a good person, and at the end, she's rewarded for it, whilst other characters who are deceitful, backbiting, wealthy white characters, they all get their comeuppance. And finally, and most importantly, we've mentioned Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, not Benoit Wank, who, <laughs> with his perfect southern drawl... In, well, I, come I to, come anyway. to films on trial for the in-depth insight into films. <laughs> 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 I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> like but I, I I thought that his accent was it was flawless well, maybe not flawless but it was nearly flawless and it proved that he can have massive success away from the Bond franchise I think he's been struggling for a number of years to find something else to carve a niche out of in addition to the Bond franchise and I think this is definitely that I think that this has been such a successful film for him. Two sequels have already been commissioned. I think finally he's got something that he can get his teeth sunk into once Bond finishes. Uh, the, like the entire cast are excellent. They are an absolute joy to watch. And not only are they widely talented and deliver captivating performances, but the most important thing for me is they all look like they're having an absolute blast doing this. Every single one of them looks like they're having so much fun. And I just think I would rather have this massive star-studded cast then a number of no mark extras performing averagely. You know, I I just think it's fun. Every now and again, like at one point, I was like, oh my god, look, there's M Emmett Walsh. He's still alive. <laughs> you know, it's it was, it's just it's good to have these people. You know, as, as uh, well, Alex, they actually you say that, but they had uh, what's the magician called? Uh, the guy who's in Goldeneye, Frankie J or something. J R Ricky J. Ricky J. Yeah, Ricky J was Emmett Walsh. Walsh's uh, character. But he actually did die. Yeah, to, I was going to say Ricky J did pass. Yeah, they had oh. to recast. Sorry well, on to that note, <laughs> a more somber note. On that <laughs> note, Joel, uh, you, you can pay tribute to Ricky J if you want, or you can <laughs> tell me something about the cast. I mean, Alex says that the cast is actually no one drops the ball. There's no one here who's necessarily poor. You may disagree, um, but he says you know it's a solid cast, but kind of underutilized. And there comes a point where it's like, well, there is no point to this, to an ensemble of this magnitude, you know, not in this sort of film. Gav disagrees. He says they're captivating performances. It's well performed. There's some big names in here and they all look like they're enjoying themselves. What's your take on it? Yeah, I, I mean, unsurprisingly, I agree with Alex. I, I, thought, I, you might. I thought you I might. I went to, um, to watch this at the, the cinema with my wife at the time and she likes films, but she's not. She doesn't really know. She's still your wife's names. But when people were, were on the screen, she was like, you know, oh, oh, it's it's James Bond, oh, it's such and such from the Avengers or whatever. So I fully agree with Alex when he says it does kind of take you out of the the mystique, if you like, of the fact that this is like a real functioning family. 
one other thing, the accent from Daniel Craig. So I thought it was horrendous, like at the time, and I'm not like understating that. And then when I got home, I went on the internet and went on the the Reddit for Louisiana, which is apparently where his accent's meant to be from. And there were people talking about it, and they said, and I quote, "It's fucking terrible." And <laughs> that is from quote? like lo- locals, um, you know, from from that state. And one thing that really annoyed me is I've got nothing against Daniel Craig. I quite like to see him in other stuff, you know, other than James Bond. But why did they cast him for that? Like, why put him through what was obviously rigorous voice work to to get his accent to that point, and it still wasn't up to scratch? It doesn't make sense to me to to cast somebody for that role when his accent obviously is never really going to fit the part. It doesn't really matter, you know, how much work he does for that. I don't think he will ever have that absolute twang unless he lives there for like ten years. Maybe Ryan Johnson should have sent him there ten years ago. So you live here for 10 years and then I'll cast you in a film and then then we'll see what it's like. But other than that, I just thought like the whole thing kind of took you out of the, the picture. I kind of agree when you say that nobody dropped the ball, but I would have liked to have seen maybe some up and coming actors because in the end, that's how people get noticed. You know, when you say like, oh, Anna de Armas, for example, maybe she hadn't done so much before. Like I remember in like Blade Runner or war dogs or something like that before this maybe her getting noticed in this film as gav said in his own words like projected her into like hollywood stardom if if there'd been more actors like that maybe we'd have more people you know today that are getting more roles like she is she seems to be you know casting a lot of things these days so i think there's definitely like a, a, a scales if you like and it's it's definitely balanced like too far on the hollywood a-lister massive name side of thing and i always think when you have that and they're all like these massive names that you're almost kind of over egging the pudding and you're trying to sell this product that maybe not without all those names wouldn't sell as well so like if if it just had all these people who weren't massive names maybe it wouldn't have been a successful picture and maybe he knew that so he wanted to get all these big people involved get get them all on board and then you know, he, he kind of, you kind of know from that point that it's going to sell itself, the story and all that type of stuff doesn't matter when you've got all those big names. So I think it was a little bit of a cop out as well from, from that regard. Okay. Thank you very much. Anyone got anything to rebut so far? If not, then I'm happy to wrap up cast. I've heard everything I need to hear on cast. Um, so who's got anything more for me here? Talk, tell me about the aesthetics of the film. How does it look? How does it sound? What's the soundtrack like? The cinematography? How about the director? Uh, something about the direction. Anyone got any points that they would like to raise at this point? Do you Gavin. think about the director, John? Did you like him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Why did I even go and see the film and give him some money? <laughs> I'm angry at myself already. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, I saw your hand up. Tell me. Yeah, um, I think that this is just a collection of just great oh, people in the franchise. <laughs> Fuck it up, no. <laughs> Working well together, regardless of what Joel thinks. Uh, I think Riyad Johnson here has written such an expert script, which if I can, I'll go into a bit more detail in a bit. But I think he's just hired a lot of great people. A lot of them are frequent collaborators, but the editing is on point. It's not overkill. It allows to linger on shots, but it still feels really pacey. The orchestral score is really engaging. It's done by frequent collaborator Nathan Johnson. It captures the tone perfectly and really helps punctuate the many different moments and tonal shifts in the film from humor to mystery to suspense. And the set is absolutely perfect. It's it's brilliant. It looks like a real-life Cluedo board. And it's highlighted by the expert cinematography of the frequent Johnson collaborator, Steve Yedlin. That, that, that is what you want out of a set. You just want it to look like a 3D Cluedo board. Yeah, because well, yeah, essentially <laughs> this film is like a game of Cluedo. I mean, imagine if it was just in a supermarket or somebody's fucking house. <laughs> Tell you what, Gav, you should, you should play 13 Dead End Drive, mate. Your mind will be blown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, and the, the cinematography is amazing. You know, like Steve Yedlin, he does a superb job here as he snakes the camera around through the house to give us a great sense of perspective and adds into the wonderment of it all. And we all know how great Steve Yedlin is because of his work on The Last Jedi, don't we, John? 
just trying to make you angry and you'll make a mistake, Joel. <laughs> you you were uh, you were onto something until I heard the words last Jedi, guys. <laughs> uh okay, so what I got from Gav there, there's a lot of good like aesthetic points here. It sounds good. This score sounds great. The production design, the set, the superb cinematography, uh editing, great script. There's a lot of stuff on the uh, going on here that sounds very promising. Prosecutors. Steve, if you yes, think Mike. about the last Jedi. <laughs> Yes. Like yes. I, I'll be the first to admit that it looks pretty in places, especially you know that planet where Kylo and Luke have that stupid ass fight at the end. But it doesn't matter because what's underneath it all is just layers and layers of shit. So <laughs> it's it's very similar in this regard. Like it it might look like a authentic whatever Louisiana wherever the hell they're meant to be like house. Um, you know, the whole aesthetic might kind of piece together well, but it doesn't matter because when they sit down, the shit just uses out the couch and that's just how it is. <laughs> Do you have like a book of these things? That's all there like... for me with like, he's shit, shitting on his arms yeah. and legs. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is all just off top of his head, man. <laughs> <laughs> This shit just occurs in there naturally. <laughs> uh, Alex, what, what's your thoughts on the uh, the technical aspects? I did have some thoughts, but now I'm just thinking about sitting on a shit couch and it oozing down, <laughs> oozing down my legs. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson's you know a, a technically gifted director. You know, so you you see so not you're not going to say it's not a pretty film. You know, the set's good. I mean, they picked a. I mean, to say the set's good, they picked a, an interesting house to film the film in. And uh, but there's not a lot of movement. I mean, it's not like it goes pretty much, you know, you sort of stay in the house, you spend a bit of time in Marta's house, and there's a few little scenes elsewhere, but most of it's most of it's in the house. So yeah, they picked a good house. Whoever did the location work, fantastic. Um I didn't think there was I, I, I sort of maybe you would expect a few more sort of like interesting shots, you know, maybe a few more tracking shots throughout the house or following different characters or or sort of long shots and stuff like that. You don't really get it. I mean you're not saying that he's again. You're not really saying he's dropped the ball, but you know maybe maybe it would have been nicer to have a few more sort of like you know a bit more flourish to it or something like that. So that was a little bit lacking. But you know, and the score Gav was saying, I didn't notice it to be honest. So it wasn't it, again. It sounds a bit bland what I'm saying here, but I didn't notice it as a good thing, and I you know I suppose I didn't notice it as a bad thing either. So technically okay, but nothing like wow. You know that's uh, watch knives out for the, for its technical expertise. Okay, Gav, uh, anything you want to come back on there? I mean, you, you talk about the aesthetics, but as Joel says, it's all superficial at the end of the day. Is it just masking up a, a, a couch of shit? <laughs> no. Would no. you put masking tape on a couch of shit, Joel? <laughs> Where does that uh, no, I, I think like, just with Joel's gripes against The Last Jedi, he's basically found a nice plush expensive couch from next and he's sandwiched his own shit into it at the end of the day like this one of the best things about this film is the story the story is absolutely superb it's so intricately and cleverly written it's full of twists and turns which is just what you want from a whodunit film. And I mentioned earlier about the clever criticisms of modern American class system and white entitlement. I think it's just superbly done. Like a really, a really side swipe look at, at America today, but not done in an overly overbearing way. You know, you've got Richard, who's a wealthy white guy who thinks he's progressive because he's seen Hamilton. Then he ignorantly regurgitates mistruths about immigrants in the next scene, even bringing Martyr into the discussion to prove a point. The family see themselves as progressive and inclusive, saying that they will look after Marta because she's like one of the family. But their self-congratulatory and progressive liberal views fall flat on their arse as soon as they are challenged or turn on Marta as soon as the will announcement is made. Holland's grandchildren, Meg and Jacob, they represent this, this sort of like younger sections of society who spend a great amount of time on their phones and deal out the most extreme views and commentary. That, you, that would normally be subjected to on the internet. So, you know, they call each other like alt-right troll and liberal snowflake. You know, all of this commentary feels like it could have been really preachy in another director's hands, but it's so smart and so deftly interweaved into the plot and built into who the characters are 
it's so believable. It's truly accepted and it doesn't feel forced at any point. But at the heart of it all, it is a murder mystery and the screenplay is absolutely on point here. I mentioned before, it's just like a good murder mystery. It keeps you guessing till the end. And even when you think you have pieced it all together, the rug gets pulled from underneath your feet. And just like a good game of Cluedo, even if you do figure out at some point, oh, it's Chris Evans, the fun doesn't stop there because you've got to see it till the full conclusion, which is even more satisfying. I think the story, on top of all the things I mentioned before, just means this film is brilliant. Thank you very much, Gav. I may have heard enough here. It's up to you guys. If you've got any more points you want to raise, speak now. Get Gav again. <laughs> he just raised the point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought someone was going to come back at me, but obviously unchallenged because they both agree. That's what it means. <laughs> now, I, I just think that in an age of like big blockbuster movies, you know, every big blockbuster movie that comes out, it's a sequel, it's a remake, or it's an adaptation of some form. Well, this proved that you can still have a massively successful original film. You know, everything about this was original. It could have easily been a simple rehashing of genre tropes, like in remakes of Agatha Christie movies. Who done it? Yeah, who done it? So always kind of remakes and rehashes of. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's an original who done it, but who done it are in and of themselves quite sort of contained, narrow, and and sort of are really there's there's elements in it in in of of each and in every single one. So, yeah, but you could it's say not that like about a, any genre. No, maybe. no, no, you couldn't. I wouldn't say like you know if a, a truly original sci-fi film is different from like a whodunit. But sci-fi's got a little bit less rules, I think, whereas a whodunit is a bit more narrow. So, I think saying that Knives Out is truly original, it, it completely builds on on every on the whodunit genre, which it should do as a whodunit. But I don't. I, I think it's a stretch to say that it's a. Well, I mean, you, you combine you, you comparing sci-fi to Who Done It when Who Done It I think is a subsection or a subgenre, whereas sci-fi is it's a, a main. What's genre. it a subsection genre of? Like I haven't crime seen the or, table. Like crime or crime or thriller, maybe you know. Was no, Who Done It's its own thing, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like it's it's a thriller. It keeps you guessing until the end, and it's a crime. You know, it's it's a subsection. It's, it's just a... like yourself, Gav. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, but but this could have been just like. Uh, it, it could have been a, a simple rehashing, which I don't think it is. It brings the it brings that genre to modern audiences. It's not just like a, a retelling. It could have just been like, oh, hey, here's a who done it, but with mobile phones. You know, here's who done it, but with the internet. I think it, it is. It's it brings a lot of like modern elements to the screen. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's not like a complete rehash. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that to say Knives Out is original, like very original. You know, after all of these like sequels and stuff like that, I, you know, I don't, it's not like uh, Jupiter ascending, let's say. <laughs> Jupiter ascending, which is probably why no one ever does original ideas anymore. I, I, think we, I think we can all agree it is not like Jupiter ascending in any fucking way. <laughs> Just as he's not here, so do you know what I mean? I had to do it for him. Um, You could have referenced Hocus Pocus at least. That's true. And on that note, if we're done, I'm happy to call time and go over my notes. All right. Who wants to to kill some time? Um, Me. Thank God. I thought it was me. I'm going to try that one, Reek. If we haven't discussed who's got a quiz already, I'm like, Alex, I believe you've got a quiz for us. Yeah. <laughs> I was tempted to be like, can I make one up off the top of my head? <laughs> What's in my pocket? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, uh, give me two seconds because I didn't. I just started writing it before. I, I've just got one last uh, one last question to write. Yeah, and... an extra day as well, and he just obviously Goodness. just. I know. Spunked it to his bathroom. <laughs> this is a quiz all about who done it. So it's all about famous who done it films and a very, very well researched and thought out quiz. I have not written this while this has been going on. Fantastic. This was done days beforehand. Uh, so question number one What sin does John Doe represent in the film Seven? Um, Dave. Envy. Well done. Point to Dave. I'm actually going to mark this one as well. So, <laughs> right. Okay. Question number two. Who played Hercule Poirot in the original Murder on the Orient Express? <laughs> Alex. Uh, Peter Ustinov. No, I um, did mention them before, Dave. Albert Finney. Well done, oh, Albert shit. Finney. 
Okay, uh, number four, number three, sorry, number three. Which actor played against type as the school principal in the slasher hit Scream? Bam. Dave. Henry Winkler. Well done, yeah. it's Henry Fonzie. Winkler. <laughs> I, I was I, I, I was still thinking who'd win in a fight between Albert Finney and Pustin. <laughs> Albert my, Finney. Who my money's on Finney, but I think Pustin would take the high ground. <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for Pustin. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so question number four: Who provided the speaking voice of Jessica Rabbit in Who Play Who, who Frames Roger Rabbit? Um, Dave. Kathleen Turner. Yeah, it is Kathleen. Dave, this Dave is on a riot. Like, <laughs> questions for Dave. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. And uh, next question, question number five. Blowout proved that John Travolta can do more than just sing and dance. But what was his job in the movie? What was John Travolta's character's job in the movie Blowout? He could go on stage and blow himself. <laughs> <laughs> really yes. showed some you know, range in his character. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 uh, it was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Give us a coil. Uh, okay, so he is somebody you might find in a film production crew, uh, somebody also at live events. A guy who blows himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> control elements of a production. But that you would that's hear, an roadie, that you would stage hear. manager. No. He's a producer. No, it's a sound Sounds engineer. Guy. Sound engineer. Ah, okay. Right. Okay, so next question. What is the title to the sequel of Chinatown? Chinatown 2. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <Chinatown>. go again. <laughs> Stop going. <laughs> uh, uh, no? It's, yeah, it's just his name, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah, it is. It's just the character. It's got yeah. character. No, it's, it's, it's two of his names. What was his name? Is something double, Geitz? Double his name. Is his name Geitz or something? What was his no, name? No, it's his first name. Uh, Jack Jack. Jack Jack. <laughs> um, I mean, these, these questions have all come from the top of my head, so it might not even be the name of the title, but I no, thought it was the two Jakes. No, I think, I think it's the two Jakes. Oh, the two Jakes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, next question. Who Wait, wrote... is that the one with Marlon Brando? Uh, no, I can't, I can't remember. I don't, oh, I don't think so. He's in a western with Mark, Jack Nicholson. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's yeah, that's absolutely not. hilarious. <laughs> the one with him in the bathtub together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the one where he looks like Doc Brown. He's got this massive shock of white hair. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so who wrote the uh, novel that the film The Big Sleep adapted? <laughs> Alex. I think I might know. It's Raymond Chandler. Well done, Raymond Chandler. Congratulations. Next question. How many years, I'll give the points to the person who gets the closest, does the movie Zodiac cover? So how many years does that film cover? 32. 15. 15? Uh, I'm going to go somewhere in the middle, 23. Joel is just one year off. It's a 14-year time span starting in 69 and ending in 83. So well done, Joel. And the final question in this, uh, Alex, hoping that you can get this one. What is the name of the high school in Rian Johnson's Who Done It Mystery? Brick. Oh, no idea. Absolutely no idea. Uh, it's called San Clement High School. Would never have got it. I I t- did I tell you when I showed that's one of my favorite films? Sorry, Joel, but it was. And like, I absolutely loved it. And then I showed my wife it. And like at the end of it, I was like, oh, what do you think? You know, like really, like really spent the whole film just basically watching her expression as she was watching it and she just went it's a bit emo isn't it like fucking, <laughs> three, fucking three days it was all i could think about like, i was so angry but i also kind of agreed with her it was yeah like, i mean i was gonna say nail on like, head oh god damn it like, but completely fucking i watched it again you know he's just like Fuck! <laughs> just whatever you do, don't show her your other famous uh, favorite film, which is Our Nightmare Dolls. Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like Magnificent Seven. Is that that? Um, <laughs> I've tried to show her that twice, and she hasn't made it all the way through yet. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Oh. I know. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. All over, Dave. Back to you. All right. Yeah, I had some time to like collate my notes a little bit on this one. I actually got quite a bit on both sides. There's some good points raised. Um, okay, so it's the first of our whodunits, and I do agree with the prosecution that they say whodunits can be quite generic in their formula and in their delivery, you know. But as Gav said, they were big at one point, 
you know, the films we were talking about, we we're talking about Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express, the originals of these were done in the in the 70s, I think. And I think Garth raises a good point when he says it's a return to a forgotten genre. Although, yes, these films are out there and some of this may have been seen before, it's not been seen for a long time. So there is a sense that even if it's not completely original, it's still quite refreshing. So I do see where Gav is coming from there. The cast sounds really good, to be honest with you. And I like that it's not just big names. I mean, this is a very opinionated point, I think, but you can get big names in a film. Uh, I'll take Chris Evans as one, you know, credible actor, easy enough to watch, but not necessarily, he's not an actor who's gonna, who's gonna steal the screen, you know, not an actor who's gonna be running for awards anytime soon. But there are actors in there of this caliber. Christopher Plummer, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Lakeith Stanfield. These are talented actors as well as big names. So I think this cast have not just put a cast together to lure people in. There is really a desire to get good actors on the screen here. And the fact that they are well known is just a byproduct. Uh, I do see what Joel means, though, when he said that a uh, big cast can be distracting and that um, Daniel Craig may have been miscast in this. That is something I have heard before outside of the trial. It is a, a renowned poor accent. We joked about it earlier in the trial. It is a poor accent from Daniel Craig. Louisiana is a, is a hard accent to do. I remember us heaping praise on Michael Jeter uh, for pulling off the Cajun accent when we did Green Mile. But uh, yeah, it's a tricky accent to get right. So I do believe that maybe Craig could let this down. All the aesthetic points, Gav seemed to have a good leg to stand on there. You know, superb cinematography, good production design, great soundtrack. As Joel says, these are all superficial. Uh, and you do need something more <laughs> that isn't just a, a couch oozing shit, lest we forget <laughs> underneath it all. But Gav did say that the uh, the characters are well drawn out. You know, the uh, the story is intricate and it is clever and the script is good. You know, this is your foundation piece. The script has to be good. And he says, you know, it keeps you guessing. I think he said uh, a few times, you know, that there's twists and turns. And, you know, the, uh, the cast uh, deliver captivating performances based on that. Um I mean, I did have other points here. You know, Joel said it was too long uh, and it was quite boring. And as Gav pointed out, I've just written Joel's credibility, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> but another point that Alex made, uh, Gav's a lying sack of shit. And I didn't, I didn't really get a counter. I didn't no. really get a counter. To well, that one, to after 20 you, years, so. Dave, how the hell is he going to counter that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> we all very well much know that that's true. And I do agree with the uh, prosecution's point that Marta, you know, the idea of that she vomits when she lies, this does seem a bit con contrived for a, for a whodunit film. It's like, oh, God, how unfortunate, you know, a character that cannot lie who's a, a suspect in a murder investigation. Um, but the thing that pulled that one back for me is that there are comedic elements to this. Alex said so himself. Gav agreed. There are comedic turns to the script, so maybe you shouldn't take it all that seriously on face value. In the end, what did this for me is that the, the solid element of the twists and turns in the script and how solid that seemed to be, and what Gav said about it being crowd-pleasing uh, and having polit a political stance that doesn't get overly preachy, but it delivers and has an important message to come across there. All in all, the script, I think, pulls it out of the bag for me, and I'm going to put this on the hit list. Oh, very well summed up there once again, Dave. So genuine opinions, I'll go first because I was being pretty honest throughout. I think this is a really, really good film. I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I saw it on its opening night in when we were over in America and there was queues around the block and it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it while I was over there. But I'd only seen it the once, so watching it back again, I was thinking like, oh God, is, is it going to be as good as I remember it? And it was, it was really enjoyable. I watched it on like Sunday morning as well. I was thinking, is this going to be not the right film to be watching at this time? You know, is it going to be tonally a bit off? But yeah, I think it was great. It's, it's very light. It's not too heavy. It's not too dark. There are lots of comedic moments in there. And it's just very enjoyable. And what I said before about the cast having such a good time, you could see that. And if you look at the cast that's being formed already for the second one that's being made at the moment, you can see that it's, a, a, once again, a lot of big names who probably joined it because they were like, you know what, the first one looked brilliant and I want a piece of that. So, yeah, I was being 100% honest. I think you made the right call. But Alex, what do you think? Yeah, it's 10 out of 10 for me, this film. I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's just a... <laughs> It's just a solid film. I, I honestly sat down to write a prosecution. I was like, I, I don't have anything. I literally don't have anything. <laughs> I, I can't think of a single thing. Uh, Gav was completely right. Everything I said was just sort of like eking out. 
uh, a load of nonsense for me personally. Um, the cast are fantastic, and it's a whodunit. So an ensemble cast is exactly made for a whodunit. So uh, so 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 really well. But they just they picked really interesting names. Chris Evans is great in this. Uh, the main thing I liked is it's got that political commentary, but I feel like the commit the comedy balances it out so it doesn't get too preachy but also the the family aren't caricature bastards you're not horrendously against the family you disagree with them but it doesn't go to that it doesn't polarize itself where you're like martyrs are here it, it, it you like jamie lee curtis you like her but you also see that she's kind of terrible as well and, and their oh, yeah, hypocrisy yeah. and stuff like that so i really like that they got the tone of you don't hate these people for who they are but you don't like him either, and it, and it just it, it just explores the issues really really well, as well as just giving like a thumping good who who done it. And sorry, I could go on about this film for fucking ages. I really like the fact that like it spins the who done it thing on its head, and you know the the main character who you're rooting for, you think is the killer for half of the film. That that's just it's yeah, yeah. just so clever. That's what I liked and, about uh, it. And yeah, saying I, I, about it being you know it's, it's taking the yeah the tropes and spinning it on its head. Oh it was it really, really good. Um so I didn't mean anything of what I said there. And <laughs> it, it was it's one of my favorite cinematic experiences I've had in like the last five years. And uh I enjoy watching it. I've watched it two times since. It's just gonna be it's just a solid classic in that list of films that I'll always watch. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the sequel. I'm interested mm. to see where they go with it because yeah, I think well, it's it was, not it was got anything to do. It's just Benoit Blanc, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah so which... got, yeah, I think he's in Monte Carlo or somewhere. He's somewhere. Because uh, when I heard Knives Out too, I was like, ooh, no. yeah, <laughs> don't do that. But yeah, if it's just the same character, great. And the most interesting opinion mm. here, Joel, who notoriously hates Ryan Johnson. How did you find this film? Yeah, like maybe predictably, I'm on the complete other end of the scale. Like <laughs> I did go and see it at the cinema and I was bored. It's like over two hours long. Like what you guys said about like it flipping it on its head. I completely disagree with that. You know, at no point did I ever think Canada Armast was like the killer. I was always waiting for like the, the plot twist for it to be somebody else. And I think as it went on, it became quite obvious to me that it would be Chris Evans think Daniel Craig's accent was just like horrific just took me out the whole thing as much as I like Daniel Craig it, it was just a complete you know miscast maybe a bigger opportunity for somebody else I just don't understand why he was there like at all um and yeah like I just found myself kind of zoning out and I, I think it, it is like very much a recycle kind of Agatha Christie um type of thing you know it reminded me a lot of is it called and then there were none i think it is oh um, yeah like it reminded me really heavily of that film or that kind of book tv series whatever you've seen it um and yeah like i just thought like agatha christie poirot all that type of thing is much much better i just felt this was was kind of all style and, and no substance for me but it's interesting to kind of see two different kind of completely sides of the scale Oh but, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think you're gonna have a pretty bad time this month then. If <laughs> 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 you think that was generic, <laughs> we'll see. Okay, uh, so interesting one, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Akira, which on Rotten Tomatoes scored ninety percent critical and ninety percent audience score. I know it was well received, but I don't see it doing that well. Oh no, I I think it might actually personally. Really? I, I, yeah, I'd maybe not as good, but I don't think it's going to be a whole hell of a lot far away. We say very near. Very near. Yeah, I'm so pretty near as well. Yeah, I'll maybe slightly higher, like ninety-one percent. I'm going to say slightly lower. Okay. I'm going to say bang on the exact same. <laughs> okay. Well, Joel is the winner Shit. here. This is by far the highest-rated film that we've done. Ninety-two percent audience. And a whopping 97% critical. Jesus Christ, that is, <laughs> that is high. I don't think that we're going to bear that in a while. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, our, our Who Done It Month continues next week with 
I was, I was Clue. Say, yeah, I was going to say Jewel. And I was well, like, I'd, I'd imagine a film that you're extremely excited about, the actual film version of Cluedo. Because I think yeah. sometimes when you were You've doing been talking this... about this all the way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I fucking really, love Cluedo, apparently. Really, I didn't know you this. You want to play Cluedo now? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I was listening to Gav is going to love Clue. <laughs> yeah. exactly well, well, I mean, I fucking love Cluedo and I love Tim Curry. So. Uh... <laughs> I'll be the judge um, of that, I think. Which uh, which leads us to the roles in prosecution is me. <laughs> <laughs> Joel. In defense is Alex. Uh, sorry, in, de- in defense is Dave and Ozzy, and the judge is going to be Alex. So, yeah, uh, that's that's it. So, um, so Gav, I'd start, th- and Joel, I'd start thinking now about how you're going to like spin Tim Curry <laughs> into, into <laughs> something bad. How are you going to criticize Tim Curry? I know, I know. It's going to be a tough one. Um, So, so yeah, just want to say thank you very much for your argument, guys. And thank you very much to anybody who's listened to this episode. We really do appreciate you taking the time out to listen to us. If you want more Films on Trial content, go on filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on Twitter at Film Trials or Facebook, Instagram, and or YouTube, Films on Trial. So that is it. The first of our whodunit season is over, but we're going to be straight back in your ears next week. I was going to say we're going to be stabbing into your ears next week to try and get the hood on no, elements. No, but no. but I, I've said that anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, we're going to be back next week with Clue. So uh, actually, I am lying to you. Alex was right before when he said I was a shitbag who always lied. <laughs> um, we're not going to be directly in your ears next week because we're having an, a week off next week. We all need some time to recover after all of the insults and abuse that we've been having <laughs> each other for three straight years now. But we will be in your ears the week after when we return with Clue. So goodbye, everyone. It's a good Who Done It film. The last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Something did die. <laughs> Killed a part of me that day. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of Joel's soul <laughs> <laughs> was murdered in the Odeon. <laughs>